Back to another episode of the JR Takes podcast. As always, I am Ryan Rogers. And I'm Jonah Hoffman. And today we're going to be discussing the Seattle Seahawks' recent win against the Lions. Game that kind of, well, it initially I took the Lions to win that game, but that was before all their starters went down. So mm. I kind of expected us to go into that game and win. Um, but alongside the Seahawks, we have the Mariners finally ending the uh, 20 year, 21 year playoff drought. Yep, the drought that could legally drink. <laughs> yeah, well, talk about weight off your shoulders there. And it was it happened in a pretty awesome fashion. I don't know if you uh, caught the tail end of the game. I was actually working at the time, so I had to watch all the highlights afterward. But I got was, to your house like minutes after it happened, and they were yeah. all celebrating. And um, I think the guy that hit the walk-off was crying in the locker room of sheer joy. So yeah. it was a pretty special moment to see. Cal Raleigh, yeah, he he's pretty special. And... It's pretty amazing considering he was batting 67 to start the year. Holy shit. And he, he, now he holds the record for most home runs by a catcher in Mariners history. So that's why 26. Wow. Yeah. So pretty awesome. Pretty awesome week for Seattle sports fans in general. Yeah. I'm not big on understanding baseball analytics, but those are two numbers that are, I know enough to understand that that's pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we'll, I guess go back to football, uh, Seahawks pulled it out. What was it? Uh, 48, 45. Yeah. Yeah. It was, man, I think that had to have been the highest scoring game that the Seahawks have won. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't do my research on that, but as long as I've been alive, I can't recall a game where we actually won and we gave up 45 points. It was wild. Yeah. Um, definitely not in the Wilson era. I, I want to say that one of the most high, higher scoring games we won with him at the helm was uh, against the Steelers in 2015. Mm-hmm. A couple other games come to mind in like 2020. Uh, but yeah, this was an odd fucking game because if we had even a bad defense, this would have been a blowout. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess just to get the negatives out of the way first, we have like... Well, the worst defense I've ever seen. <laughs> you, we gave up 500 yards of offense, 45 points. His Lions record for a tight end receiving numbers to and two touchdowns to Hawkinson as well to a team that was co- so ridiculously undermanned on offense. that You just got to sit there and just kind of be shocked and amazed by the level of incompetence. Um, the only saving grace and actually the reason why we won the game, if you think about it was Tariq Woolen's awesome pick six, which if you watch that replay, it really just highlights what's so special about that kid and why I don't shut the fuck up about him. Um, he Hawkinson, when he runs that, uh, in route is open when Jared Goff lets go of the ball. Right. But Tariq Woolen is just so damn fast and so long. He looks like he's running half speed and catches up to that thing and walks into the end zone. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the Seahawks got to make a lot of adjustments on defense. But on the positive side, our offense, I think, is legit. I know the Lions yeah. have probably the worst defense in the league, if, if not us. Um, but the level of execution we were displaying, I would have been impressed if we did that against air. Like it's 550 yards and 48 points is no joke. 
And it kind of brings to mind a little bit uh, the last time we played the Lions last season where I think we put 51 points on them. And you could kind of see the Shane Waldron-isms uh, on display more in the offense. And I, I think... You know, we started to see a little bit of it uh, the week prior against the Falcons. Um, just kind of came up short in the second half. Um, but yeah, this this game really just showed the absolute best of Geno Smith. And the best of Geno Smith is pretty damn good. I feel weird saying it, but like he was Who's incredible. Who's to say it's yet to come? It's hard to play much better than he played against the Lions this yeah. weekend. I mean... It's so funny. We now can have a conversation. I mean, we'll need to see him consistently perform like Absolutely. that. But, but I kind of think he has already through four games. I mean, he's has better stats than Wilson if you compare. He's the highest completion percentage through four games ever. Right? Yeah. Now. I it's mean, bonkers. I know this is crazy talk, but I'm like you mentioned about taking a quarterback in the third round the other day. We might just want to roll the dice on Gino. Who knows? I think so. I mean, we can get more into this later on, but um, I think just because of how deep this quarterback class is, we should pick somebody because mm-hmm. as opposed to last year's quarterback class, even the guys that are like the 12th best in the class, they might have gone in the second round last year. Mm-hmm. This is a much, much better quarterback class. Like what? Probably the best one since, I don't know, maybe uh, 17. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if not 2012. Um, yeah 2020 class was looking pretty good too mm-hmm. but um anywho uh yeah gino was just on fire on sunday i believe he completed about like 76 percent of his passes it was in the 70s at, at the least um but yeah. that throw that first touchdown to will disley that was not an easy completion to make mm-hmm. that was a perfect high back shoulder placement where only will disley can make it and that's what's you know at first I was thinking, oh, he's got a high completion percentage because we're giving him really easy looks. But we've been throwing <clears> the <throat> ball downfield more the last two games, and the yeah. above 70 completion percentage is continuing. So it's starting to seem less like a fluke. I'm really liking what I'm seeing with, from DK. He's going out there, and it, I'm, I'm seeing a he lot of— He literally took a shit on Detroit. <laughs> well, he's winning those contested matchups, too, this year, and I don't yeah. I don't know I could say that he was doing that in years prior. He's making those difficult catches, too, because the knock on him was never, like, you know, a ton of easy drops. It was he wouldn't make the amazing catch. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's making them this year, and oh, yeah. his route running is, is looking very legit. He burned—what's uh, the guy's name on Detroit, the corner— uh, Akuda, uh, Akuda, yeah. Jeff Akuda. He torched him all afternoon mm-hmm. on Sunday or morning, depending on your time zone. But uh, yeah, yeah. DK has looked excellent, and Tyler Lockett. He's a guy I mentioned is maybe taking a step back. Well, that's Wilson understandable. Leaving. He's, I mean, he's also getting. He's not getting any younger. Um, but, but he's still producing crazy good numbers. Yeah. I was, funny you bring up Lockett. I was going to say the Lions were even lucky that they were in that first half to begin with because oh, they the- were. Pretty much gift-wrapped a touchdown to that first one to Hawkinson when Lockett fumbled. And let's be real, the Lions probably would have came back anywhere. Defense, like you said, is garbage. But also the Lions, they have just they have just a grit about them. They're not going to go away. They were like that last year, and I think that they're going to be that team this year. They might win a couple more ball games than they did last year, but... I you know I could I, see them being a playoff team if if not this year then next year. That's kind of where I'm at with it too because they I mean 
say what you want about our defense, and I'm not going to argue against you, but the Lions have the best offense in the NFL statistically right now. Mm-hmm. They're number one in points scored, which is amazing because they're one and three. And they're, I think they're number one in yards. But the Seahawks are, I'm pretty sure they're, if not number one, they're like top five in DVOA on offense right now, which I don't remember what that acronym stands for. But for context, during our Super Bowl slash excellent teams from 2012 to 2015, the mm-hmm. Seahawks overall and weighted DVOA were number one for those four years. So it's something that is very good at measuring. The- is it like defense versus offense? Uh, it's it's something. something value over it just it's weird. I sorry, we'll have to look it up. <laughs> oh, it's it's the V stands for value. I'm pretty sure. Okay, it's it's a weird one. But gotcha. uh, anywho, um, the offense is objectively of both teams great, and the defenses are objectively terrible for both teams so right i remember during the week people were saying oh, oh expect this game to be like 34 or 31 kind of thing and i was like oh i could see that but damn both offenses if given like two more minutes they probably both would have put up 50 points mm-hmm. i mean i have no hesitation in saying that given the way that game played out um but yeah what what did you think of rashad penny's breakout performance? i was just gonna bring him up actually because he pretty much well he did seal the game for us at the end there yeah with the first downs he was getting oh he sealed the game like three times every that first touchdown he scored i was like all right it's over it wasn't but- i know well it, it kind of reminded me of the nick chubb touchdown because that was a little different though because that was going to be before the two minute warning if he had like fallen down or whatever. that's right yeah um and that the Would Lions have been- had all their timeouts yeah up until the so end. we kind of had to score that touchdown um so I'm not going to obviously fault him for that. But yeah, I love the lanes he was finding and the blocking looked really good. I Dude, mean, Abe I, no Lucas punts that whole game. I can't can't really say more about how great the offense played and how bad the defense played. Yeah. Really, <laughs> I guess let's let's keep the good news rolling because uh, both rookie tackles look like they're ready for, for for the NFL. I mean, no sacks given up for the first time in Seahawks history. No, wait, I'm sorry, not history. It was no punts yeah, for the first yeah. time in Seahawks history. No sacks, I think, since a game last year, but that doesn't happen very often for Seattle. Yeah. Anywho, yeah. I think Abe Lucas is playing better than Charles Cross right now. Abe Lucas is already playing like a plus-side right tackle starter in the NFL. And for a guy that, you know, was drafted in the second round, or no, third round. Third round, yeah. Um, who, at the time, I was like, why wasn't that Malik Willis like... Some of these young guys and the offseason ac- acquisitions we've made have brought some belief back in Pete and John for me. We're honestly, it's kind of crazy that we should be three and one. I feel like I know if we if uh, Damian Lewis hadn't made that boneheaded holding holding play, we would be three and one more than. Likely. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I agree with you completely. And man, like. What a difference just like one little sequence in a game like that can make, you know, Mm -hmm. because from uh, another perspective, if the if Melvin Gordon just had the slightest amount of ball security, we could be one of three right now. But Mm -hmm. that's that's the way the NFL works. Um, Every game is usually close. Every team is so good, has the greatest athletes on the planet. So it's very hard to win games. But um, so far, the returns on this season there's a lot I'm disgusted about on the defense, um, especially a certain guy named Cody Barton. Um, <laughs> but uh, the fact that we're two and two and most of the people that are making impact plays on this team are the younger guys or the newer acquisitions. That's a really good start to a rebuild. Mm-hmm. And the fact that 
where 500 in a rebuilding year is excellent. But uh, yeah, so shifting gears to the defense before we move on, um, Nuosu is looking like the only person on our team that knows how to rush the passer right now. I don't know what the fuck happened to Daryl Taylor. I was hyping him up all offseason as this is his potential breakout year. I'm pretty sure it's a contract year. A lot of people were. You know, yeah. a lot of people had high standards for him this year and yeah. high expectations. And uh, what I was going to say about the defense, uh, which is kind of making me, you know, not sweat as much over it or over what we saw Sunday was our defense looked like this last year. And I feel like the year before that, and eventually the game kind of slowed down and our players were able to, you know, stop someone. But I'm, that's why I'm like, I'll pump the brakes on, you know, getting overly worried about this team and the way they play defense. I I have faith that Pete and Clint Hurt will be able to figure it out. Well, one thing's for sure. It basically can't get worse because <laughs> they're allowing over three points per drive right now. Mm-hmm. I did. I mean, we forced like what one punt last weekend and the Falcons. I mean, people have been complaining about Kyle Pitts and fantasy all season, not against us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, Anywho, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's got to get better, but I really do think if this team wants to have a chance at the playoffs this year, they got to make some sort of, like, you know, sign Blake Martinez off the street, do something to get rid of what I think are the two weak links of our defense right now, which is Cody Barton and Josh Jones. Josh Jones had some not only terrible angles and tackling, but also just poor effort. And I mean, like there's a couple plays out there last Sunday where I'm like, uh, Cody Barton doesn't look like he knows how to play football, like much less NFL football. There the play where I think Jared Goff ran in either a two point conversion or a touchdown. Uh, Cody Barton just engages with a tackle that's already blocking someone else for no reason. And then spins around and watches Jared Goff run right by him like dude, I don't care what your assignment was. Do you have eyeballs? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. And I'm, I'm sure Cody's a great guy. He could, you know, kill me with one punch, but you got to go, dude. You, you just suck. <laughs> we we got we to gotta figure something out there. Um, but I'm really encouraged by what the defensive line interior-wise is doing with Brian Monet and Al Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just they got to they gotta figure out the edge rusher. And to go back to what you said about the draft next year, um, I don't care if we draft a quarterback in the first round, but use the lower pick, or I guess the higher pick, whatever makes more sense there. Our top pick should be the best edge rusher available because I agree. I am the, the biggest reason why our defense has sucked ass the last three years especially early on is we can't get a pass rush. I mean, last year, Carlos Dunlap awoke from his coma and started wrecking people towards the end of the season, both of the last two seasons, actually. But it was like before that Jamal Adams on a blitz or nobody. Well, and you look at all those defenses around the league with a premier pass rusher, like the Niners, the Steelers, the chargers, they've all got really good defensive players up front. Yeah, and, and not just one or two, but like three or four guys that can get after it. Yeah, the Niners, I feel like the Niners are a blueprint of what we're trying to be. Uh, and we've been that in the past when we had, you know, Wilson and Lynch and all those boys. Yeah, watching the Niners defense right now reminds me. I mean, I don't think they do cover three like we used to, but 
just the like discipline because really that's what makes a great defense besides just raw talent is discipline and cohesion and effort and when I watch the 49ers play when someone has the ball there's three guys right there getting ready to tackle them and they punish them when I watch us play defense right now there's one guy isolated trying to make a tackle and misses yeah I think though like you were saying about like Josh Jones and his effort I I have a hard time like b- buying into that. Like he's not trying. Like I could sh- just be slow. I'm. Sh- I'm I bet you he's confused because he's filling in for our probably most important defensive player on the I field. I think he's clearly Jamal Adams. For anything bad people have said about him, he's clearly the most important player to this defense. Because I yeah, I think it becomes with Josh Jones like a lack of uh, ex- honestly experience. I think that's what I feel like he might be overwhelmed by or or like in over his head as far as like responsibilities on this defense in particular and i mean it's a new scheme i'm not going to keep using that all season because eventually they need to pick it up and figure it out but i can understand why you know he's kind of in the spotlight as far as fuck-ups and allowing big plays to happen i hear you there I'm just, you know, this is the third year in a row of this. 2019 defense wasn't great. 2018 defense was mediocre. We've had a long time to rebuild the defense post Legion of Boom, and I'm starting to lose patience. Yeah, that's fair. But uh, on the flip side of that, the guys, the most recent bodies that we've thrown out there look good on defense. So I think it's, in a way, trending upwards and also terrible at the same time, which is weird (laughs) yeah um but yeah uh last thing i want to say about this game is right now pro football focus has geno smith as the highest rated quarterback in the league (laughs) and uh that's something that's uh not something i thought i'd be saying just about i don't know five six weeks ago (laughs) when i was a drew box stand but no i think i like like do we owe geno an apology because i i know i certainly do I, th- I think, yeah, I, I'm sorry, Gino. You know, we wrote you off, but we, we ain't getting nothing back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've been... He looks like a different player. I mean, obviously, when he was on the Jets, that was years ago. But he looks like a completely different player yeah. than he did even in week one. He looks like he's taking chances down the field. In that that uh, last touchdown run to Rashad Penny, he audibled at the line to that play. Because mm-hmm. he saw he liked what he saw from the defense for that adjustment there. He was shifting things around. And you know what else he's doing? He's getting out of the huddle with like 25 seconds left on the play clock. Which something with Wilson, Wilson never did that. And he's I, still not doing I it. I don't know what the hell. Like, how is it? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Maybe you can't see the clock. <laughs> Speaking as a f- fellow 5'10" person i do think that's a lot i think his athleticism made that not a factor for a while but now it's like you know like hey you can't move like you used to you gotta do that shit but anywho uh i know this is like the most exaggerated thing i've ever said and i'm not saying he's even in the same stratosphere as this guy but the way geno smith played this last game was like an athletic peyton manning Mm -hmm. because he was accurate as fuck made big time runs when he needed to and was also making adjustments at the line that made a huge difference in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I know that sounds crazy, but it's like a lot of intelligent people that know football way better than I do 
have said the same sort of things. And, you know, these analytics are saying Gino is legitimately playing fantastic right now. Mm -hmm. So I hope it keeps up, but man, it's got to create one of the weirdest situations for a team to be in that I've ever seen. Yeah. Like when, when is the last time something like this happened where a 31 year old veteran who's been, who was out of the league in 2018, I think, and hadn't started since 2014 or 15 suddenly has a renaissance in his thirties. It's quite strange. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is fun though, watching Gino do his thing because it's just something that I never foresaw. And it's, it's just weird how the NFL works like that. Like so many things happen in a season where you think that you have everything predicted and figured out. And then the Jaguars are good. Like weird stuff like that will happen. And so it is, it's, it's nice seeing that happen for us where, Gino is outperforming everyone's expectations. So. Yeah. I think even Pete's expectations. I got to apologize to Pete too cuz I was kind of bitching at him all off season for not letting Drew Locke get more snaps, but mm-hmm. now that I you know, sometimes we just have to accept that hey, these guys know way more <laughs> than we do and we're just dumbasses yelling at TVs, but um yeah, last thing before we switch over to Mariners talk, um, we got a game coming up this Sunday, another 10 a.m. Eastern trip to New Orleans. Now, the Saints are 1-3 and three and have not looked very good, but their home field advantage is legit, and they're coming off a very close deflating loss. They have a good defense. What do you think our odds are? Well, I think it all depends on if the receivers are going to be playing, because I know that I... Notice Michael Thomas was hurt last week. Mm. Um, I imagine Olave and Landry are going to be playing, but I they forgot got... they had Landry. Yeah, um, I think we could win that game if Gino plays the way he's been playing. Then I think we can go in there and win that game. I don't know if Jameis Winston's going to be playing. Andy Dalton is. Just... I kind of hope Jameis Winston does play because at least he'll throw some interceptions. Andy Dalton is the type of quarterback that like think of a Colt McCoy the last couple of years where it's just like I feel like he'll just check us down to death and we'll be like why well all Camara's hurt too isn't he is he he I, was last week I thought he was playing but I I had no really he didn't play in the tabs. London game oh okay yeah that's right he was like a last minute scratch because it was the 6 30 a.m time yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, Chris got screwed by that. <laughs> I know you're listening, Chris. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, our uh, one of our member, one of our good friends in our fantasy league, Chris Novak. Um, he's 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 not doing so hot right now in the in the league, is he? Yeah, w- when we play Chris, it might be for the number one pick. So. Oh yeah, Ryan is Ryan and Chris are on four. Yeah, for, I, for the audience I out there, suck ass. But next year will be better. <laughs> anyway. Ryan, you don't want to tell the audience about. Um, the trades you made, did you? No, I don't. Let's move on. Okay, um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I am... So we haven't beaten the Saints in New Orleans since 2004, I read this morning. I think, I don't think I was watching football on a regular basis back then. No, that was the year before I started. So, yeah. Um, I do think this is the year, though. I think we're going to be 3-2 and two come Monday morning. I think so. Um, I think it's going to be... A lot lower scoring of a game, though. But I do. Th- I think we have to score more than twenty-seven points to win this game. I think we. I think we win twenty-eight, twenty-six, or something really stupid and horrible like that. And I think the Saints have the ball at the end of the game with a chance to win it and screw it up. 
my prediction. Interesting. Yeah, I, this game is really hard to predict. Honestly, I think the Saints are one of the hardest teams to predict if they're going to win the game or not. They're their so, defense is legit. They're just so, like... They're one of those teams that's just kind of gross, I feel like. Like, I don't know. Any, in my opinion, any team led by Jameis Winston is not going to go far. Yeah, I agree. Like, his Florida State days are behind him. Yeah, I mean, what was that, 2015, 2014? Something, it's, it's, something It's been a like minute. That. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess my prediction for the game, I think we'll win. I think we'll... What do you got for the score? Hmm. We're five and a half point underdogs, by the way, which I think is, hey, it kind of makes sense, but. Uh, score, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 23, 26, 26, 23. Okay. So pretty similar. Yeah. That, that I, it has that type of feel to it. If we score less than 17 points, I will be surprised, Mm -hmm. but I won't be surprised if we give up even more than I'm predicting, but yeah, we'll see what happens. So, shifting gears to the M's, the boys in blue. Just describe for us what this moment means for the city and for yourself. God, it's tough to put into words just because I haven't, like, I'm going to be so excited waking up on Friday because I got the day off um, and uh, the game's at one. So, that's kind of unfortunate. Like, all the games are day games, which is kind of a bummer. Mm. I kind of expected that because it's on the East Coast and... You know, they have to get all East Coast games in earlier than, uh, or, you know, earlier yeah. than on Pacific time zones. So, um, yeah, it was, I, I still, it's still weird for me. Like, I, I'm not used to, uh, putting my team in the conversations with teams in the postseason because I always just, whenever the postseason rolls around, it's always like East Coast, like, Teams from the American League East and teams from the NL West battling, and, and and it's just never us. So, like when I was watching everyone spray each other with the champagne <coughs> in the locker room and smoking cigars, I was like, "This is so like weird. It feels like we already won something because like every time I've ever seen that, it's always been like the Red Sox or like the Yankees or a team." of that caliber doing that. Yeah. And I, I basically don't have any memories of this kind of thing because I mean that in the 2001 amazing season, mm-hmm. um, I was six when the playoffs started. Yeah. Maybe seven. It was first I didn't, grade. <laughs> uh, I didn't watch a single game from that season, even in the playoffs. And, but I watched, we had a VHS tape of that season, watched it hundreds of times. So like, <laughs> I know that team like inside and out. Um, but this, this team is just really fun to watch. Uh, the, the baseball Gino is like one of my favorite Mariner. Like he's just like the most positive person, like everyone on the Mariners. It's, it's weird. They're not like a, um, someone brought this up the other day and I totally agree. Like they're not like a chip on your shoulder. Like everyone's doubting us kind of team. They're like a, like overly positive like relentless like we're just never going to give up and we're always going to be like in a good mood like i feel like that because julio is like he's gonna be the seattle star like face of seattle if yeah he's not already if it's if it's not dk then it's him like yeah i agree bar none and uh 
He's the one everyone's mom is talking about. That's how you know who the star is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I'm really excited. Um, I think uh, Friday they're th- going to be pitching uh, Luis Castillo uh, for us. And is then, he the guy we traded for? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, Castillo will be on the mound for us. And then for the Blue Jays, they've got Alec Manoa, and he's really good. He was an all-star. Big dude, too. So he, he's got really good stuff. Uh, I'm really excited to see the lineup. Just waking up on Friday is going to be surreal. Just like, and seeing us playing on ESPN is going to be weird yeah. too. Like, <laughs> just all these new things about the season is going to be awesome. I'm really bummed Joe Buck honestly is not with Fox anymore because I would have lo- like if we made the I World Series about that. I would have loved to hear him call our games. That would have been. He's been doing the World Series since like '99 or something like that. So yeah, damn, he's he got that gig pretty early on in his life. I, a lot of people bitch and moan about when him and Troy are on the broadcast, but they're two of my favorites. And Joe is a really good baseball commentator. Like he is, he's he like, makes it way more interesting than most of the time. And he's like, I feel like he's always been really good at like knowing when to talk and when to not. Kind of yeah. like J- Jim Nance is really He's good got at a that knack too. For it for like, sure. but um, anyway, aside from the commentary of the game, yeah, I'm really excited for the game. Um, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Saturday, I imagine they're going to be throwing Robbie Ray, and then Sunday will be Logan Gilbert. So, fingers crossed. Hopefully, we don't even make it to Sunday, and we just get a sweep them in two sweep. games. Yeah. What makes me nervous about it is it's such a short series. You know, it's like just three games, but. Yeah, I, I'm just happy to be here, frankly. Like, mm-hmm. I hope they just win one game, but, I mean, fuck. Like, who who knows how far they can take this? It would be really cool if, uh, obviously, if we won the series against Toronto because then we would go to Houston and play them immediately. And It'd be so amazing to beat them. It's 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 weird. It's giving me, like, uh, Niners-Seahawks vibes, but, like, we just need to get over that, like hump of just always being pounded by Houston. So I uh, we'll see. Um I I don't know. Well, yeah. It's it's exciting, but I'm a, it's almost like different than football too. Like there's going to be so much like nervous energy I feel like in that game. And just cuz baseball is so so much about consistency. And it's like football, things happen so fast. And baseball, you just have to wait pitch by pitch. And it's like just agony almost, I feel like. I can't imagine what that feels like. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Um, I got a sweep in them in two games. I don't know if you think it's going to go three. but I think it's going to go to three just for the sake of stressing us all out because that's what Seattle sports is. Yeah. Um, but I think we're going to win it. Yeah. That, that is my prediction because we're all about positivity here, just like the M's. Good vibes only, as Gino Suarez says. Oh, yeah, so. baby. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Um, you got anything more on the Hawks or the M's? Well, just to talk about the M's and myself a little bit, I was the first sport I ever cared about was baseball. Like yeah. when I was a very young kid, I started playing T ball when I was like four or five. And, mm-hmm. um, I always like would play the little like Fox theme song in my head when I was going up to bat when I was a kid that they mm-hmm. play when like a, a the batter was coming out or mm-hmm. whatever. 
And uh, I remember, you know, Edgar Martinez and Ichiro and all those guys from back in the day. Um, and then when they started sucking, also, as I got older, I was just like, ah, I don't really like baseball that much. But a part of the reason for that was just the Mariners were so bad every year for, mm-hmm. you know, like we had a couple of years where it got close in like 2014 and last year. Um, but it was just like perpetual mediocrity and failure for so many years to where I was just like, I can't invest myself in this team. So I'm, I will admit I'm a, a bandwagon Mariners fan, but also I've always cared. That's I'm just not a baseball fan. Like I am football. You know, that's fine. And honestly, like being a bandwagon to the Mariners is understandable because like who would stick with a team that has first had a 19-year drought when they were expanded in 1977. They didn't make the playoffs for 19 years until 1995. Holy shit. (laughs) And then they go another 20 years, like five years later. You know, some people have, like, lived a full lifetime and never seen the Mariners in the playoffs. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we have. I mean, well, 27 isn't full lifetime, but that is a long time. That is... We're almost 30. Yeah, I'm getting a couple gray hairs. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. Baseball is, the Mariners are awesome because like they were like, like you were saying when we were both little, like, I don't know if this is the same now because football is so predominantly like part of American culture, honestly, yeah. like that I'm sure little kids can get into it at an earlier age than than I did or or I don't know than than you did because you didn't start watching until 05 but like football I didn't really start caring about until like 04 like 04 barely like I watched us lose to the Rams uh I think it was when either Bobby our, Ingram dropped that Yeah that was like that that's kind of like my first memory of the Seahawks was that happening of course it's, it's a very horrible, indicative of the Holmgren era as a whole it's um, like just so close. Yeah, but baseball has been like the Mariners were like I cared about them more than or before I did the Seahawks. So it's just right. like there's something special about them finally making it and doing something. Like the Super Bowl win was amazing and that yeah. will always be like top 3 moments in like in my life of watching sports. But Yeah, that was just like so much good shit happening over and over again. It was almost like, like the universe, like giving us a break. Yeah. <laughs> and then immediately kicking us back into reality with the following season. Yeah. By with like ripping a our spiked heart out. boot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just so funny because it was like, we were being rewarded, but had no idea what it was going to cost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, how'd you like the Super Bowl? Oh wow. You're so close. Fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, you like that Super Bowl? Well, how about here's the worst play in football history, and it's given to you guys. And you get to see it every year over and over again on replay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But anyways, I I think we're writing a whole new chapter in Mariners history and Seattle sports history, frankly, because, I mean, the team, as far as I can tell, is young. A lot of these guys are, you know, going to be around for at least a few more seasons. and they'll probably be able to attract more talent next year with the success they've had, I would guess. I expect them to. I mean, they need to sign a second baseman in the offseason, Adam Frazier, the guy that we were watching on the TV that was like... (laughs) Uh, He was a huge disappointment 
uh, Winker mm. has been ever since really that uh, the brawl. Well, I want to. He's he started to catch fire, and then he's just he's just had a bad season. Yeah, hasn't played well. Hasn't played M- maybe well defensively. he'll catch fire in the playoffs. I have I have faith. Uh, well, he's actually on the IL right now, and I was wondering if they were going to leave him off the roster because he's been a liability in left field because he's so damn slow and un- unathletic. But <laughs> I'm I'm hoping we keep him around for next year because I just think he had a bad. Uh, he had an off year coming to a new team, new city. Uh, he hit 300 last year, plus. So, I I wouldn't write him off yet. I would give him another season, and if nothing happens, either DFA him or just let him. Well, don't write him it. off because he might not write back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All, right. Help All right. <laughs> All right. I'll settle down. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, excited for this Friday and this weekend. I'm actually going to be able to watch all these games, so that'll be sweet. Uh, any closing thoughts? Uh, go M's, go Hawks, and uh, pretty much it. Let's ride, baby. <laughs>